from the great state of Ohio in District Number 5. We have Congressman Bob Latta with us again. Congressman, how are you, my friend? Every day is a good day, my friend. Hey, absolutely. It's great to have you back on. There was a big vote uh, the last couple of days that I really want to talk about. This H.R. 1, we talked about it on the program yesterday, the uh, really changing the voting system, automatic voter registration, online voter registration, lowering the age of voting to the age of 16. This seems like an absolute cluster, and it almost seems like it's taking the right of the states away to put the requirements or stipulations on how you can vote or how you can register and giving it to the hands of the federal government. What Talk about this bill a little bit. What's going on? Well, this is another one of the really far-left Democrat pieces of legislation. They had this last in the last Congress to bring it forward again. This Congress, uh, they, they, they passed it last time, sent it to the Senate, fortunately. You know, we knew that when it was going over there in the last Congress that Mitch McConnell would kill it. In this Congress, you know, they're right back again with it. But again, what you say, this is a very dangerous piece of legislation because what you're looking at is multiple things. First of all, it nationalizes our rate, our elections in the United States. You know, you're absolutely right. The Constitution gives that right to the states under Article One, Section 4. What you're seeing is, is that the Democrats are trying to take make it a takeover of the federal government of all state laws. And when you think about our elections, we want them to be out to, in, in our state. You know, I look here in the state of Ohio in the last election cycle. It ran smoothly. Everything went fine. But that's because we have Ohio laws on the books. But, you know, multiple things. Not only does it nationalize our elections. The uh, Federal Elections Commission right now is a neutral body, meaning it's, uh, it's uh, as many Republicans as Democrats on it. Oddly enough, in this piece of legislation, they want to make it a five-person uh, board or commission. And guess what? That means they can start thinking, well, we can outvote uh, to make sure we get what we want. If you like what happens out in California where, you know, they just send out uh, mass uh, ballots and then they have what they call ballot harvesting. Uh, this would allow that under this piece of legislation. It would also have an ability to actually limit free speech out there. And uh, oh, and, by, and also it says you give two hundred dollars to a candidate, federal government's going to match it six to one. Uh, so that means the federal government, you know, you'd be uh, having a twelve hundred dollar match. So uh, this is what's in this piece of legislation. It makes all of this pandemic stuff that Nancy Pelosi wanted to get in and now make it permanent. Uh, so, if, you know, again, if you like what happens in California and have it happen in your state, just let this thing happen. I, I'm dumbfounded on how crazy this bill actually seems uh, across the board when it comes, as you mentioned, violating the Constitution, taking the rights away from the state, but matching it at the federal level. So if you donate to a candidate, and I want to donate to, you know, Congressman Bob Ladd in the 5th District, that the government would match that, which I'm assuming their idea is, well, let's just get all these, you know, city slickers and Democrats in the inner cities to donate, you know, 20 bucks. They're going to match it at the federal government level. And then we see Democrats just completely blow Republicans away when it comes to contributions. Well, you know, you always have to look at what their re- uh, reasoning is behind all of this. And again, uh, the, you know, the Democrats, if you look at the billions of dollars that their high-end donors give every uh, cycle, uh, and, uh, you know, you saw Michael Bloomberg, what was it? He spent a billion dollars and didn't get a vote. But uh, what you're going to see is that the uh, Democrats see something in this, that they say that uh, we want to we have this happen. Uh, but, you know, everything from having the federal government subsidizing the elections to having the federal government taking over our elections, having the federal government 
determining if you what you say for speech is what you can say. And oh, and but when, also really important, you know, if you if you're going to get on an airplane, what do you have to have with you? If you don't have a valid ID, you're not getting on that plane. But guess what? You won't have to have any ID. You only have to say fill out forms. And yeah, that's me. Or sign a statement, but you know what? It means a person go from state to state to state and and uh, do this without because they said no IDs. So this, this is, uh, in my opinion, a very dangerous piece of legislation. And uh, you know, with the Senate being fifty fifty, with the with the vice president breaking all ties, I'm really hoping that uh, there are uh, all fifty Republicans over in the Senate say absolutely not, so they can't uh, uh, get the. 60 votes to get to get to cloture to bring that bill to the floor. So I'm just hoping that this bill is dead on arrival, I hope, as it gets to the Senate. But uh, it's important for uh, individuals out there to reach out to their uh, prospective senators and tell them what they think about H.R. 1. Yeah, this is completely ridiculous. I mean, one of the parts of it that I'm very confused about, as you mentioned, with some of the uh, online electronic registration, it says that you really don't even have to put in your signature, or you need to put in your signature, but you can do an online electronic signature. I've tried to sign some of those online signature things, and it doesn't seem anything like what my real signature actually is. I mean, it takes away all verification, but what really troubles me, the lowering of the age to 16 to be able to vote. I mean, Congressman, I'm not an adult at 16 years old. I'm still under my parents' home. I'm not allowed to buy a car. I'm not allowed to buy a firearm. I'm not allowed to go and get my own insurance. I'm not allowed to buy cigarettes. I can't buy alcohol. I can't do anything, but they want me to go and vote. To me, that seems completely absurd. Well, and again, I think the Democrats are thinking, well, maybe younger people wouldn't really look at some of these issues and uh, really delve into it. They're going to support us. And again, uh, they did this in the last Congress, trying to bring forth a, a 16-year-old. You know, and you know the the Constitution uh, says that, that uh, uh, you know we set the, uh, the that age at 18. Uh, when they were you know looking at it, then they didn't drop it to 16. And I, but I think it's it's again you're you're right. You go through everything that you can and can't do when you're and you're you know also. I remember when I was in high school taking a business law course. One of the things was that as a as a minor, and that's what you are a minor, mm-hmm. that uh, you you know you you uh, can get out of a lot of contracts because it's kind of buyer beware for the uh, if somebody gives you a credit card and uh, you they and you go out and run it up. It's just like well, I'm not responsible for my debts because I'm not an adult. Right. Yeah, it boggles my mind. Uh, there's some other stuff I want to talk to you about, but that was a major one that came out yesterday, and I'm very concerned. Now, real quickly, on the Senate side, will it have to be a simple majority in the Senate, or no. uh, do they they no. still have that 60 vote they have well, to get to? It, well, and it, it, well, this is, where, this is where it comes down to uh, uh, Joe Manchin and Cinema out there from Arizona, that uh, the uh, it comes down to both of them have said that they are not going to get rid of the filibuster rule out there. And, of course, you get filibuster is you got to get that 60. And so in this case, uh, we're looking at, uh, you know, again, uh, they've got to come up to 60. And, I, and, again, I cannot believe you're going to find 10 Republicans or nine Republicans, I should say, well, in this case, it would be 10, that would say, yeah, this is a, this is a good idea. Now, what they what they've done with the their I hate to even say the word COVID relief package because that's what they're calling it, but uh, you know they did that under reconciliation, which means they only have to have a single vote that one extra vote rule over there in the Senate yeah. because of it. 
and Americans aren't going to be happy when they see what's under the, in that $1.9 trillion boondoggle. Yeah, that's a whole other discussion with that COVID relief bill because that's another mess in itself. But at least we have to get to that 60. I mean, we had zero Republicans vote for this uh, voting bill in the uh, House. We appreciate that very much, and we'll see what happens over in the Senate. You had teased it a little bit ago, but some of the anti-First Amendment issues that are going on right now. I mean, we're still being censored by social media a lot. A lot of people are. Now they're trying to just boot people off completely or kick people out of private groups uh, and just really silence what we can find on the interweb while we do our own research and try to educate ourselves. But what's the latest? And I know you've been working on some stuff trying to at least prevent some of the Democrats from silencing First Amendment rights in the country. Where's the latest with this conversation? What could we look forward to? Well, it's it's scary because we had a hearing about a week and a half ago in my my committee, Energy and Commerce, and, and my the uh, Telecommunications Subcommittee that I'm the ranking Republican on, where two Democrats from California um, sent a letter to all of the large uh, systems out there that carry a lot of the uh, news programs, uh, asking them a, a whole set of questions as, you know, like, uh, you know, do they look at these, what's the content? Are they looking, at, you know, uh, at uh, pulling something if there's something that they don't think is right? And it's absolutely incredible, first of all, A, that they a letter like this, because it is a chilling effect when they, uh, you know, for example, a large uh, carrier that you, you get your cable news from. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, they get this letter and saying, "Wait a minute! What, what, this is coming from a congressional, you know, from members on a congressional committee that have oversight over us. It's a true chilling effect." And we had Jonathan Turley, who's a professor there, that's on. Uh, a lot of people might see him on the news quite often, but uh, uh, on his views of the Constitution. But he was absolutely correct when he testified that day. He said that, you know. If you don't like bad speech, the way you take care of bad speech is by having more speech. Yeah. You don't limit speech. And uh, but it was I, I tell you, I not sure I'd ever sat through a committee hearing quite like that, where you've got members out there. Uh, you know, it's really an assault on the First Amendment and uh, freedom of speech. And this is, you know, our our founders. And and again, unfortunately, you know, what we see out there is that the Democrats don't like something that's being said. What do you want to do? Silence it. We we know that's from through the Internet, through Twitter. We've seen that happen on Facebook. And so what you but, you know, again, history uh, is not taught in this country. And uh, one of the things that uh, Professor Turley brought up in his written statement and something I thought about even before I saw his written statement, going back to the, the John Adams administration, which, of course, was the second, our second president. They, he didn't like what Jefferson and Madison, and they, back then they were called the Republican Democrats, were saying about them. So they passed the Sedition Acts, and they put people in jail. Uh, because they didn't like what they were being said about that. A member of Congress went to jail. And, uh, you know, those that, that law died in 1800 when Thomas Jefferson became president. But they, but it's just like, folks, we went through this once in our country's history. We're not, we don't want to do it twice. Uh, the Espionage Act during the, uh, the Wilson administration uh, back in World War One. you can go to what happened at the beginning of the Civil War. A lot of people don't remember, but uh, Abraham Lincoln even shut down presses and put people in jail. Wow. So, you know, folks, it's, it, we want, as Turley said, we want more speech, not less speech. The more speech you have out there, people can make those uh, determinations on their own, and they can say, you know what, 
I've got to get more information on something, but this something, you know, something doesn't pass the smell test here. Yeah, what a wild concept. You can actually do your own research and get all of the information as opposed to just one side of it. One thing that's concerning in being in the media industry, I've heard some rumors about this as well, uh, coming from TV affiliates, uh, talking about uh, they've gotten uh, or they're either, they've either gotten or they're about to receive letters from the FCC asking if they're going to continue on with their affiliation with uh, news networks like Fox News or One American News Network or Newsmax and why they intend to continue to carry it, is there a concern that we need to be worried about from the FCC side of it trying to regulate radio and TV networks from limiting certain shows or different networks because it, again, goes against a certain agenda? Well, I tell you, you know, when the uh, FCC was 3-2 to two, uh, Republican, uh, I'll guarantee you uh, everything was you know, was on an even keel over there when uh, Chairman Pai... Uh, from Kansas, uh, was, uh, the, the chair of the FCC, yeah. uh, you know, he, he, he looked at things, uh, through, uh, a pair of glasses very similar to yours and mine. And, uh, now that, uh, he's, has left, resigned and left as chairman of the FCC, it's back to a two, two split, but that doesn't mean in, in the near future that we're going to get a third, uh, FCC commissioner on there who will be a Democrat. We contacted uh, the acting uh, chair and asked her to reaffirm her comments from several years ago, and that's what uh, we, I, I signed on to a letter with, uh, asking her to reaffirm that, uh, you know, she, she's going to uh, say that, no, we, we are not going to be doing these things and, and going forward where some of these Democrats want to go. So, uh, you know, uh, we have not heard back from her, but, I, I, but, you know, again, we just have to keep pressure on. The American people have to say, look, uh, we went through a revolutionary war that uh, we, we saw that uh, we wanted our, these rights. And the, the rights that we have in, the, in this country, a lot of people don't r- realize how precious they are because when you go around the world and see the censorship mm-hmm. in countries that are we considered democracies, that uh, this is that they do not have the same rights that we have under the Bill of Rights. No, and I mean, I know you're a history buff. I mean, just looking past through history, every society that's tried to do that, that's tried to limit speech, that's tried to limit uh, the availability of books or conversations or speeches or certain individuals, whenever they go down that road, it never ends well for the society because people begin to wake up and realize, wait a second, we're not getting the full story here, and it never turns out nice. We can't, we can't go down that road again. No. And uh, as I said that day in that hearing, as as I was talking about the different things from, you know, John Adams and the Sedition Acts to what happened at the beginning of the Civil War to Wilson with the Espionage Acts, as I always remember that something that I was taught uh, in college in history, that he who forgets the past is condemned to repeat it. Amen to that. We're talking with Congressman Bob Ladder from the 5th District of Ohio. Last question uh, before we let you go. I know you're busy, but one of the other pieces that you've been working on is the modernization of Congress. What is that? What are you guys working on? And uh, will that maybe make your guys' job easier? Or is, uh, is that a good thing? Well, it's really making sure that uh, the place is operating efficiently. And I know I was on a conversation the other morning with uh, one of the other members on the other side of the aisle. But, uh, you know, it's making, you know, looking at how can we make it flow and work? Because I tell you, there are days that you just kind of shake your head and go, this place is not working at all. Uh, One of the the areas that I've got a real concern about is our committee process. I'm I'm, I'm what you might call a creature of committee. What that means is I believe in regular order. Mm -hmm. All things ought to work from the committee process up. It should come from the bottom up, not from the top down. 
And what we're seeing right now from the Democrats and Nancy Pelosi, uh, her, 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 all, everything is coming from her office. Uh, we just had, you know, this $1.9 trillion boondoggle COVID bill that uh, left the House that's over in the Senate right now. Was totally written by the speaker. There, they, they allowed no amendments, and so we had 12 hours of hearings one day in, in our committee on it, and we had almost half a day on another uh, the next day. Not one Republican amendment was accepted. Not one Democrat amendment was even offered. Why? Because she said no amendments, and uh, so we need to have regular order. But also, having regular order to me means is that members have to, get to really know what's in their legislation. They have to work it. They have to be there. And I think that uh, we're you know we're asking members to serve on too many committees. And years ago, you might only serve on one committee and become a true expert in that area. And the other area that we have a problem with is I think we have too many members. We, you know, on uh, last last session alone on the Energy and Commerce Committee, we had 54 members. <laughs> and at one time before Republicans took over, now I want you to, it's not happening now, but it could happen again. Every member got to offer a, a opening statement. So if you had an opening statement before a bill came up, you had 54 members talking on that. We never even heard the witnesses that came before us. And so when we came into control in 2001, I said, look, only the uh, the ranking members uh, are going to get to say anything. You, everybody else can submit a statement if you want, but otherwise, forget it. But we, we've got to make it work better for the American people, and uh, we want it to be transparent. And again, it's just making sure that, uh, uh, and I know I've, I've been asked, does that also mean about proxy voting? I'm absolutely against proxy voting. This is what Pelosi put in saying, oh, this is how we're going to help uh, because of COVID. And, uh, I, you know, when you have 60, 70 members of Congress not showing up to vote now because they're proxying, they're staying home, the American people want them there. They need to have them there. But uh, that this isn't really talking about proxy because this is coming from the Speaker. Yeah. And so this is in their, the Democrat rules package. But uh, I'll guarantee when the Republicans are only five votes away from doing it, take back control of the House of Representatives, there will be no proxy voting. Well, I can imagine. Uh, why would we have, what would be the purpose of having having so many people on a committee? Like you mentioned, 54 people. Is it just kind of like what they want to do with the Supreme Court where they want to stack the court? If they stack enough people on a committee, they can get through what they want to. Is it just for them to be able to get their special you know, talking points and, and, and appeal to their voters? I mean, what would be the purpose? Well, it's kind of like everything you're talking about that, uh, you know, uh, when you, especially when when you look at the, uh, the majority minority numbers on a committee, when you start looking at how close we are right now, and some of the committees they wanted to even have them farther apart, it's like, wait a minute, um, we're almost equal, and you want to say to us that uh, we shouldn't have uh, more members on a committee, meaning Republicans on the overall. So it's what they call, and when they populate these committees, it's just like uh, adding more to it. But it's almost like um, you know. For Pelosi, you know, she was in kind of a tenuous situation this time with the far left, and she's uh, she's pretty far left, but even farther left than her that uh, with the socialists. That uh, you know, they were saying that uh, well, we better put more of these you know people on to, to placate, and so everybody's happy. Well, it's not the purpose of being a leader. A, le- a leader is there to lead, and uh, not you know saying that I got to pay all these people off and make sure I get their vote. On the on the on swearing in day that uh, I I can get back in because we all remember what she did. She had been telling that nobody uh, we had to have social distancing on the floor. We had to have these crazy vote times to try to 
get uh, get a single vote done in. And what does she do? I call it the most expensive looking uh, hockey penalty box I've ever seen that they built on up in the visitors area because we no longer have visitors in the gallery. But so some of her members that might have had COVID could come in and vote for her. Incredible. Unbelievable. It, it's, it boggles my mind how much they try and twist and manipulate the rules for their benefit. And uh, luckily, we can maybe we can get some of this through to actually bring us back to common sense and actually have things run as normal again. Congressman Bob Ladder from the 5th District of Ohio. It's always great to talk to you, my friend. Keep up the fight. Well, There's a lot of stuff much. going on in D.C. I know that you guys are working really hard right now. So we thank you. We'll get you back on again real soon. Absolutely. You take care and stay safe.